Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a brand new MA Roasted podcast. Me, Adam Hunter. We got a great show today. Uh, we got Shang in the house. My man, Shang. We have uh, Ian Harris, who's a hilarious comedian, also a trainer, black belt, has his own gym. Dude, he's like, he's one of the like most humble, funny, crazy atheists I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> humble, funny, crazy, strange. Strange. <laughs> in, in a good way. In a good way, though. In a, in a great way. In a great uh, way. We, we also have Maki Ippolito, who's coming off a huge win. Uh, one last week um, with body shots. Actually, the guy retired after after he fought him, Bird. Um, and then we also have Eric Albarichian uh, calling in, who uh, is a trainer for trainer for everybody for Henry Henry Cejudo. He also trains um, Korean Zombie. He trains the Pitbull Brothers. Uh, and then we have Sean McCorkle. So all this in an hour. Want to thank our sponsor, Speedweed. Listen, marijuana is legal in California. Get it delivered right to you. Don't leave your house. Okay. They'll take care of it. Mention MMA Roasted. You get $10 off, $100 or more. Uh, Shang, start with you. How you doing, man? I'm actually doing, um, I'm doing better. I'm doing much better. Um, you know, my son is not dealing with the <laughs> COVID thing uh, too well. So I'm trying to make sure he's okay. Because all he sees on TV is, oh, people are dying. So I'm trying to explain to him because he's so young. It's not everybody. It's hard to. Get, you know, so, I mean, aside from that, I'm and good. It's weird because your uh, son's 40. So uh, wow, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, eventually he'll get it. No, uh, yeah, my, yeah, my 11-year-old, he's, he's, not, he's not figuring it out yet. So I'll, I'll, get him, I'll get him together. Well, the government's not figuring it out either. So your, your, your kid actually is probably, you know, just as close <laughs> as everybody. The world's not figuring out. <laughs> you're right, you're right. The 11-year-old to figure it out. Yeah, um, so, yeah. And, uh, but how you doing as far as like, cause uh, you know, I want to talk to you also Ian as well. Cause we had, uh, we had, you know, Hector Lombard on yesterday. who's a huge, you know, to the right Trump supporter. Um, as far as, uh, uh what do you think is going to happen in the future right now? As far as police brutality, as far as cleaning up the, the culture, the government, like what, what are your thoughts on all of this? Um, me or, you yeah, go. Chang, Chang, you go. Yeah. No, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think the police are going to, to uh, be reactionary first. They're going to come at people first. And then I think it, because it's been so consistent with the protest and, and worldwide, they're going to have to kind of compromise. They're going to have to figure out, yeah, you really can't put your knee on somebody for 10 minutes. I mean, <laughs> just basic shit. It's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't put your knee on somebody's fucking neck for 10 minutes. Um, even if I was watching Joe Rogan and he said that, he said what he's been in that position with judo, even for two minutes, it's fucked up. Yeah. So imagine all your weight and a shin on your neck for eight and a half minutes. I'm sorry, not 10 minutes, eight and a half minutes. He said right. it's, it's got to be horrible. So um, I think that the police will – and I think that Trump is going to be Trump. Trump is a, a man child, and he's, gonna, he's a fucking child, and he's going to react. And uh, I think he's, he's going to win. Because I think he's going to win. I think he, he's going to win. But I think that it's going to be worse and worse. And then I think that people are going to revolt to the point where he's going to have to retire. I mean, he's going to have to just resign. It's just he can't continue at that little petty pace he does. He can't. Ian, your thoughts? No, I mean, I, 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 he's going to lose for sure, I think. I mean, there, it's, every day he's dropping. He's down to 14 points an hour or something. The only thing is America has a really short memory. and. And, you know, we could in two months, you know, the stock market could go up one point and, and people like are going to train again. And they're like, oh, everything's okay. And they might forget about it. Who knows? But I think he's going to lose big. Um, and I think, I, I, but I think that, I think Shang's right that it, it's going to, it's always going to get worse for a while. But I think this is, this is definitely a turning point. We've never seen this. We've, we've seen this happen and we've seen riots. We've seen protests. We've seen all sorts of stuff. We've never seen it on this level. We're going on two weeks now, and Sunday, I couldn't even drive home. Same, so yeah. many people. 
and this is worldwide. We're getting it. When people in Iran, <laughs> some Iranians going, this shit in America is fucked up. You know that it's bad. <laughs> when, when there's riots in Afghanistan over the oppression in America, we're having, we have a problem here. And so I, I think that's going to be, I think the cool thing is, if I can say, I don't know if this is probably not the right thing to say, but I think having, being locked down for three months with COVID has helped in a sense, because I think, people, no, I'll tell you why it's helped get people out because a lot of people were already raging, oh, yeah, you're right, already you're right. wanting to get out. And I think they're like, fuck it, let's go outside and fucking march. And I think that's helped. It's been like a powder keg of people like upset about one thing and upset about this other thing and it coming together at the same time. And it just got people to get out. I think more people have gotten out in the streets than would have normally. Now, Shang, now from personal experience, I know one time uh, when I was like in my 20s, I was at, I was at, it was the Mets Yankees, first time ever they ever played each other. And look, while you were walking in, the security said, Met fans, enter at your own risk. They would tell you that as you walk into the stadium. And I'm, wow. I'm not kidding. I heard it. I'm not. So it was over and over. They kept saying it. At the end of the game, Mets won. I was outside with my, uh, my little brother. When we, my, of course, my car died. I called AAA. AAA came. A cop, a drunk cop was there with his buddy, stole our AAA. So this is, I go, no, I told him to come basically at this rock. He goes, no, too bad. I go, what are you bad? I, I had to get my brother home for a soccer game. What are you talking about? The cop took me, drew me against a tree, and goes, you got a problem? And I, I, I was like, get your fucking hands off of me, you know? And then he goes, come to my office. Took me into a empty, like, bathroom in, 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 like, a parking lot and goes, give me your best shot. Come on. And, and, and on one hand, I'm like, man, I think maybe I, what, I could probably knock this guy out. Other hand, go, if I don't, which I probably couldn't at that point, I'm fucked. The guy had a gun on him and a badge. And I right, go, there's nothing you can do. I go, sir, I, I don't want to fight you. I just, and the guy was drunk. I could fucking, I could smell the alcohol on him. And he was like, you think you're a little fucking punk, blah, 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 blah. It was a, you know, a white cop. And then I was like, all right. I, then my friend's like, get his, I went back to my friend. He's like, get his badge number. I go, can I have your badge number? He goes, I go back in my fucking office. I go, no, no, no. Okay. Then I told another cop, I go, that guy just roughed me up. He goes, welcome to the Bronx. That's what the cops said, <laughs> right? So well, that is New York, though. That is that was that was the, my, my that was a, that was my first and basically last experience getting fucked up by the cops. Oh, I've, now, I've, <laughs> I've been there. Now you Good luck as, with that one. now now you as a black man in America, right. how how many times have have you been fucked up by the cops or or profiled? three, three and I've had a gun pulled on me twice. What what happened? I was running to the subway to get to a gig. And they pulled a gun on me and, and thought I was a person that snatched a purse. Obviously, I didn't have the purse in my hand. He's pulled a gun on me. He's like, you know, get down, get down. And I had a village voice in my hand. I'm like, no, I'm at the comedy club this weekend. And I literally showed my picture and said, no, I'm trying to get to my show. And he went, oh, okay. Well, we thought you might have grabbed the purse and threw it. I'm like, no, I'm going to do a show. And that's it. Then he took the gun off me and said, well, go ahead. I'm like, so you're not going to, that's. You're not gonna apologize, nothing. He says, Hey, I said I'm gonna let you go. You're lucky I'm letting you go. Like, what do you mean you're lucky you let me go? So when he after he pulled a gun on me, I didn't get scared until after my set. I was weird. After my set, I was like, oh fuck, I had a gun pulled on me. I was so want to get to my gig. I didn't even think about it that way. But yeah, I've had gun twice, gun pulled on me, once on a traffic stop, once on that. I had um I was gonna show with Carol Montgomery. You know who Carol Montgomery yeah, is? Carol, yeah. I was I was a feature for her and some cops pulled the the waitress was driving me home from a club called Spellbinders. And, she, and we were driving me not home to the room. And I wasn't even driving and they pulled us over for drunk driving. She wasn't drinking, I wasn't drinking, pulled me out of the car, roughed me up, uh, slammed me on the hood, said, Hey, you've been drinking, uh you're drunk I'm like, I'm not even driving. What the fuck are you talking about? Public intoxication. I'm trying to treat you like a human being. And what made me mad was I said, you ain't trying to treat me like a human being. I am a human being. <laughs> and then that's what he said, oh, so courthouse lawyer. And he grabbed me and did this. My arms were behind me, they like this, and boom. And then that's when I started talking shit. I, I, I got mad. It's like, oh, you're such a, man, if, you, if ooh, you're lucky you got that badge. And I actually said that, you're lucky you got that badge, which made him madder. And of course, the, the waitress is freaked out. And then she calls Carol Montgomery, and Carol Montgomery comes and bails me out. Wow. 
in, in Houston, Carol Montgomery, with her son Dylan in her arm, in her arm, calling him, hey, you cocksuckers, you fucking cocksuckers. He's a good guy. What the fuck's wrong with you, you cocksuckers? To, to the cops. I was like, Carol Montgomery, that's right. Because I'm, I'm trying to listen to all different sides to this, to what people are talking about. And you got people like, like Candace Owens or Tucker Carlson who are saying that, <laughs> that 10 – it was 10 unarmed black people have got shot in 2019, which is way too much. But of those 10, five or six attacked the cops before they think. So they're saying that this whole thing is, is, a, is a myth as far as cops targeting or, you know, black people. Now, That's not true at all, but it's okay. Now, and here, it's so, and so not the brightest and, couple and, on the beach. And, and what I'm thinking is if that was the case, why would there be so many people outside protesting? We, we have 10 on video this week. What are you talking about? But, <laughs> no. But, well, here's the thing. They actually always bring the statistic up. The statistic is actually on average, it's, on average it's like 400 uh, black men are killed by police and white men are killed by police. They always share that. The same number of black men and white men are killed by police every year. But what they leave out conveniently is the unarmed aspect of it. Right. right. What happened before that? Did they get killed like Philando Castillo because they said, I'm reaching for my wallet and they got shot? Or were they white guys on meth that were just fucking shot up a house and they killed him? And also what happened to the cops after that? And they're also forgetting the fact that black people are 12% of the population. White people are 70% of the population. So if there's 10 white people and 10 black people, Per capita, that's six times the amount. You have to add all that in. So when it's six times the amount, and half of those are unarmed on traffic violations, but but it's also but I think also thing. but I think also hey, you and your math. But also <laughs> I think but although Ian, what I what I think people are upset about isn't just people who have died. It's the situations like Shang. It's the right. people that have been running and getting thrown on the ground and be like, you look like someone who stole a purse. Right. I mean, is it? As you know, right? Isn't that saying what also people seem well, to Well, to me, that, that's part of it, but it, it's a, a cumulative thing of all the different situations, Sandra Bland, on and on and on. And we got video after video after video where you see nobody did anything wrong. Why would you, as cops, even if the president or cops or police, start smashing people with shields and shoot people with tear gas when they, we have a video of them peacefully protesting? Over and over. Over and over, we've seen in, in different cities, the cops were beating them, smacking them. This guy was 77. This dude was 77. And I'm telling you, he did not look like a threat. If you've seen the video, when I say these cops push him down, he busts his head, they step over him like he's a piece of trash. Right, right. And so it's so, not just black, it's just police. Well, can, I have a theory on that, that, that um, it's police, okay? I'll t and the reason why it's disproportionately black is because I think, first off, police are not trained at all. You, you go through like six weeks of, of some sort of hand-to-hand -hand combat. You gotta learn. I was talking to Greg Jackson about this because he does a lot of, uh, a lot of um, stuff. He said that they, they were teaching them like 170 moves in the academy. Like 170, he's like, teach them five, make them bust their ass for a month learning those five, and then have a strategy when, a strategy when, when, they, when it doesn't work, you pull, you know, after two minutes or whatever, you pull out, then you re-engage. You know, he had this whole, he has, he teaches combatives to police now. But he was telling me, like, the, the stuff that they had. I was like, that's crazy to me that they have all these techniques they got to learn in two weeks. And then, you know, if you fought or trained at all, you can be years of training every day. And when a fight comes, you're still nervous. Yeah, of course. So I got somebody out there who, who's, who thinks their life is on the line. And, you know, and they're already nervous. They're already authoritarian mindset. They're already the type of people that they want to like control people. And they've got this thing, I've got a gun, I'm, I'm a badass. And they've got two weeks of, of training. They don't even know how to handcuff somebody properly. So that's, that's the main thing is the mindset of people that become cops and their lack of training. But then you add racism on top of that. And I, I bring this up all the time. My partner at my gym was the first heavyweight MMA champion of California. He's 265 pounds. He's a rock. And he's a badass, okay? He's a, he's a monster. And he always talks, he, he bounces. And he'll, he always, we'll be talking about stories. And every time he tells, he starts telling me about, um, you know, all these guys came in and this, they started. Every time it's black guys, he always goes, these two big black dudes. And I realized, having that conversation with him, that we say that all the time. If, it, if there's a situation and it's black guys, we always point out that it's black guys. No one ever goes, man, I was at the bar and these two Jewish dudes came at me. 
uh, these two Chinese guys came at me. It's always two black dudes. Why? Because we are supposed, it makes the story scarier because we're supposed to be scared of black people. I don't know. But when it comes to basketball, it's, it's always a white dude. If a, guy, if a white guy dunks, people say that white dude. That's still, <laughs> yeah, sure. so, okay, that's true. Right. I just mean right. a fight though. But it's, I just think you add that into it and then, you, and then, and then you're just going to have people out of control because they think this, this guy is scarier and more dangerous. But well, so, well, We will continue this conversation. Right now, let's talk to Mackie Patolo, by the way, nice. from uh, Hawaii. What's uh, up, guys? How you are you? Yeah, good here. Maki had a huge win. You see Maki Chang, you watched you guys fight last week? Man, uh, I'm going to just say this. Uh, uh, please don't hurt me. God damn. <laughs> God damn, bro. Those body shots were unbelievable. Right. Uh, those were some of the hardest body shots I've seen in an MMA fight. Was that, was that part of the, uh, the plan? Was that part of the goal? Uh, my, hand, my, my goal is always to put my hands on my opponent. Uh, I, lo I love the stand-up. I like to be a – I feel like I'm an entertaining fighter. And uh, at the end of the day, I just want the general public to know that uh, anybody can get it on any given day when I'm in there. Well, they – I mean, you definitely got – you retired the guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah, you did. I didn't know. I, did, I didn't know. But can I – I just want to ask you a question. Did you feel like the first body shot you felt like, okay, this is where I can, I can soften him up and I can weaken him from that, and then you continued? Or was it more like – Okay, uh, I'm gonna kind of do combinations of up top, down low. Or did you uh, it's say? what I do. I, this is that that that's how I play. I, I like to. Uh, I just like to continuously attack everybody. Um, my opponents, they just overwhelm them and let them know that you can block your head. Your body's gonna get. It, you can block your body. Your chin's gonna get it. And then sooner or later, you're going down. Well, you know what I liked about you, man, because they were they kept saying young up and coming prospect, young prospect. You've been in this since 2009. Uh, yeah, man. You've been doing this My for journey 11, was very long. 11 years, man. Uh, and, and you've made it. You know, you got to the UFC. Then you got to the, a contender. Then you, got, you had to go back to Bellator. Told you to win a couple fights. You've been grinding for a while, man. Uh, yeah, it's, man. It's nice to see that you're actually getting some kind of props. Yeah, I've been putting in my time. I, I've taken the long, the long road, the hard road. It, it wasn't easy to get where I am at, and I'm, I'm happy I'm here. And it's time to make my dreams come true. Time to buckle down even more and, and sit in the fire just a little bit longer and let these guys know, hopefully in my next fight, I can really wake up the division and let them know that I'm here to play and play right. Now, these huge hoops in your ear. Because uh, are you worried about them getting ripped out at all? Cause it, like Never. And even if it does, we're still fighting. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is it about Hawaiians that you guys are so good at fighting? Like, it just seems like... There's always a brawl. Uh, uh, there's always every bar, strip club. It's a, it, I don't know, man. It's something in our water. <laughs> I tell you what, man. I've I've surfed Hawaii a few times, and they just sometimes if you're a Howley, and they'll just paddle up and just go whap and just punch you in the face. I'm not even doing anything. They just paddle up to you and punch you. And you're like, what the fuck? Really? Oh, Yo, yeah, for yeah, real. It happens. Really? It, I, I've real. heard of it happening too, man. I, I've heard of it happening. And then Hawaiian Maybe women you parked are, in the wrong spot. That's yeah, right. Who knows? <laughs> and Hawaiian women are always so hot, but they get pregnant at like 16. Oh, shit. <laughs> I think it's 16, 17. Am I, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm going to say 18. I'm going to say 18. 18. 18. <laughs> uh, but oh, I mean, shit. some of the guys you train with, Max Holloway, Yancey Medeiros, I mean, you, you train with some beasts. Yeah, I'm trying to, these are my brothers. And just training with them and knowing that they made it, I knew I was supposed to be there. And it, it was just going to be timing. Timing was all I was, I was uh, waiting for. And I feel like I got in the show at the right time. I'm, I'm primed out. I'm ready to take on any, any opponent. And I feel like the 185 division was, was just where I had to get, get in. But, you know, the, your boss tells you go to 170. You got to go to 170. I mean, when you train with Max Holloway, you got to be able to push it. Cause that yeah, we we, we all want we all want the best for each other, man, and yeah, we're gonna push, push each other to 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 hell and back to see us uh, to see our boys to be successful. Yeah. You know what I liked about you, man? After your fight, you go, "The world needs more aloha, less hate." That's uh, for sure. That's one hundred and ten percent, my brother. That yeah. was that's pretty damn. I mean, that's exactly what we need, and more Hawaiian yeah. girls too. More Hawaiian. <laughs> yeah. Girls. Uh, so, do you, do you train with uh, Rachel Osterwich too? Um, here and there, but not, not all the time. She has her own spot. And then you're married. Uh, uh, when did you get married? I got married last year. 
All right. Your wife must. Yeah. Have so happened. we just we just made one year, but we we're we we're together for over over ten years. Well, oh, okay. So it's just somebody you already did. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's my high school sweetheart. Look at you, man. Yeah. How, I mean, she must have been like, "All right, let's get married already." Right? Was she like pressuring you? She was, <laughs> but she waited out ten years, man. <laughs> She said, I'm staying here. I'm staying. I'm sticking. I'm going to get him against the gate. I'm going to get him against the gate. She's the real boss when it comes to my team. Were you fighting in high school? I was. I had my first fight when I was 17, but I was originally a a football player. My my pops, he wanted me to play football and go that whole route. But uh, I found fighting, and that's what really uh, turned it around. That's great. Well, listen, congratulations, man. I just wanted to congratulate you. Thank you. Hey, brother. I appreciate it. Uh, Stay healthy. Can't wait for your next fight, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Those body shots, man. Yeah, buddy. More to come. More to come. I guarantee you guys that. That's the business, man. That shit. Thank you for everything, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Coconut bombs. Uh, Yeah, but you know what? A A lot of people, if you watch UFC fighters that don't use body shots, I think they miss out because if you look at even I I know people don't like Tyron Woodley, people talk shit. That motherfucker does body shots, you know you got hit. So so they announced today that Fight Island is gonna be in Abu Dhabi. Um which is crazy that we have to go to the Middle East to like fight peacefully. (laughs) That's how fucked up America is right now. We gotta go to Abu Dhabi to like so And uh, they announced that it's going to be Gilbert Burns versus Usman is one of the fights on Fight Island. Uh, Wait a minute, what? Yeah, because Masvidal, they couldn't come to a contract with Masvidal. I thought they ended up signing one. No? No, no. So it's going to be Gilbert Burns versus Usman. What about, then they just, what about, uh, okay. At which they're teammates too, those two guys. Um, It's going to be a good fight though. I don't know. I don't Uh, know Gilbert Burns. What? Really? Why? Uh, Gilbert, Gilbert Burns is jiu-jitsu sick, and it's going to be a good fight. You don't think it's going to be? It's jiu-jitsu sick, but, I mean, Usman, I don't know. Usman's power just is – he just – Yeah, but look, I mean, look at their both fights against Woodley. It was pretty comparative. I mean, they both pretty much went five rounds to nothing against Woodley. Woodley didn't really show up. I mean, Woodley said he already, find, he already signed the contract against Covington. He's waiting for Covington to sign the contract. That should be a good fight. Hey, uh, except for, I don't know, what's up with Woodley? Like, is he, he's just trying to be a, a comedian and a rapper and a movie star. It's like, go back to fighting, dude, because, like, he's no, he has not been. been there. He has been. Something's just off. Yeah, he's, just, it, he's way off. It's crazy. Uh, he got too many, what is it, too many irons in the fire? But I, don't, I don't think that's the case right now. I think no, that, but when, you know what? Before, other than, when he, other than that, the fights before that, he, he was more focused. And I think fighters that do too many things – aren't focused. I agree, but he, he was focused against Gilbert Burns. He said he did everything right. He just didn't show up night of the fight. You've never had that as a, a trainer, Ian? A guy do everything right, but just not show up the night of the fight? I, I, I honestly, man, I, I've been, I'm going to want to do a documentary about, about the, uh, the similarities between com- comedians and fighters. Yeah. And I, I, because I really think it's boiled down to so many people have fucking anxiety. So many fighters. I mean, it's more than, more than normal. It's got to be like, I feel like 50% of the fighters, they have some sort of weird anxiety thing that they're trying to control in there. And it's like, if they don't control it, 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 it overtakes. I see it all the time where everything is right and they get in there and they don't do anything that they trained. And then other people, you see that they suck in training and they get in there and they kill it. And you're like, how is that guy so composed? One of, in one, of, one, of the, one, of the, one of the best quotes I've ever heard is that it's not who the better fighter is. It's who the better fighter is that night. Absolutely. Um, because. Okay. Yeah, but. But if, look at people like – no, there's some people that follow a game plan and the game plan and they fucking execute it. If you look at Masvidal, he executes his game plan. If you look at – they show footage of him training. Well, now he does. But, but for a while, he was on like a three or four fight skid. Yeah, he was on a skid, but he, t- he, had, he had to go away and he got focused as fuck and said, I'm coming back and murdering people. <laughs> well, look at – we just saw that this weekend. We, we've seen it twice in the last month. Gaethje and, and, and Cody. Uh, I was like Cody, Cody Nola, Cody Garber. I was like, he's done. He's gone. Yeah. He's got no chin. Forget this. You know, and he shut me up this weekend because he looked, he, 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 they, both of those guys listened to their coaches and were like, right. Stop brawling. 
Let's start doing what you're good at. Well, and let's- I, think, I think also with Cody, and sorry to interrupt you, but I think no. with Cody, it was a team alpha male. They didn't really have a coach. They had a coach, but it just seemed like it was Dwayne Ludwig, and then it was Justin Bushholtz, and then it was uh, this guy. It just seemed like four. And then it was you know Martin Campman before that. It was right. Uriah Faber. Holdsworth was just coach. So he goes and leaves. and goes to Mark Henry. Right, you know, right. with with those guys. With uh, you know, you got Frankie Edgar and Zabit right. and Eddie Alvarez right. and that crew. And he and he was able to kind of see with see with like fresh eyes. And right. I mean, some with fresh eyes. I'm sure you know as a coach. It's different than seeing someone over and over again. And I right. think not having, a, not, not having a chin, but knowing his chin is human helped him out because right. he wasn't doing the reckless shit that he thought of when my chin can take whatever punch. Right. So he fought better. Now, Sean O'Malley called him out. I think, I think that's the fight to watch, actually. I want to see that fight. Do you, you don't think that's going up too fast for O'Malley? I, mean, I think anyway, it's going up way too fast. No, way I, too fast. I, I, I agree. I love but- O'Malley. But, I don't think. I mean, re- remember O'Malley's debut was against my was against the guy that I coached. And I thought Terion could have won that fight. I thought Terion, uh, honestly, if you go, if you go by damage, Terion did win that fight. Yeah. If you go by round by, I mean, the first round was razor thin. Third round was razor thin. Second round almost could have been a ten eight. He beat the crap out of O'Malley. And it, and O'Malley's a cool kid. I like him, and he's good. But and Terion's good. But when I look at if if Cody plays like he did this. This fight is this last fight. He, he's he's gonna he's gonna beat him. But if he if he gets if he gets reckless and starts trying to to throw you know to start brawling a little bit, O'Malley does have a reach and he does have power and he's calm. That's the biggest thing about O'Malley and like guys like Masvidal, they show up to fight and and that goes a long fucking way, man. And and right. and that's the thing about O'Malley is that I don't think his skill level is there. It's not the Cody. It's not like Cody. Not at all. But. He's, he, if he shows up, he can show up and he can put it on anybody on the right night because he's so freaking confident. And I think so he's that's why enough. that's a good fight. I think he's also young enough where it's, it'll be like a Max Holloway, Dustin Poirier situation where, yeah, yeah even if he loses, the fa- if he looks good, you're going to say, oh, in three or four years, this guy's going to be the champ. That kind of right. happened with Max Holloway against Poirier. He came out, he lost, but everyone was like, that's a kid to watch. Right. Um, and Max Holloway, yeah, that's the same thing. But I said, it, like you said, it, some people... I'm, I'm like, like I'm like, I'm like done a bunch of shit, but I know every tournament for some reason I would do everything I was taught, but then I get nervous and I'm like, wait, I, I ran all this shit. Something about once you're in there is different to me. Well, there are a lot I of mean, fighters, man. I mean, like someone who has OCD, like when I used to wrestle, I used to have to pray fucking 10 times for every match. <laughs> I had to wear my lucky jacket. I had, I, I like had to sleep on this side of the bed. Like, Certain things. I mean, something happens in your head. You look at like Sugar Ray Robinson, who was the greatest boxer of all time, arguably. Okay, wouldn't it? Was, uh, I don't know about that. He Sugar Ray Robinson. I still get it. I still give. I still give defense wise. Floyd Mayweather is okay. Fine. I, I'm. I'm gonna go with Sugar Ray Robinson. All right, but uh, he would not take the stairs. Like he was scared of stairs. Like, and then if he took the stairs, he would like skip every third step. Like certain fighters just. They have that thing. It's like you do everything right and you win. And then it's like, and then you lose a fight. And you go, okay, what, what was different? Oh, I ate pasta the night before. Or I, 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 had, I had oysters instead of fucking cheeseburger. You know, whatever it is. And that's just, you know, that's part think, of it. Yeah, you know? but I think he's, Cody will, I think Cody will, if, if Cody doesn't get reckless, if Cody doesn't think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show this kid something, I'm going to brawl with him. And he could get. He doesn't get caught. Cody will. I think Cody will murk him. To be honest with you, and maybe he needs to get murked. Too. Well, I think also the wrestling wise, Cody No Love is a very underrated wrestler. If um, he wrestles, though, he 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 should be able to beat O'Malley everywhere. The thing though is that, like I say, I'll give it to O'Malley. When when he fought Tarion, you know, I thought he was broken. I thought the round. I thought he was going to quit. Like he just his face. He was. He looked, and he came out that third round. And was like, all right, let's go. And he has that. He does have that in him. And the thing to me is that if, if, uh, if Cody uses his wrestling, uses his distance, uses his speed and his timing, he, he's better than, than O'Malley everywhere. But if O'Malley starts landing on him and gets, get, cause he gets in his head, starts, if, if they start talking in the media about how good O'Malley is, Ego. and Cody starts getting angry and yeah. starts going after him, then he's gonna lose, and and so, it, but but he shouldn't lose that fight. That's why it makes it a good fight to me because I really think Cody's better everywhere. 
but I just think that that O'Malley might have that that same thing that Connor has. Like Connor's good, but I look at Connor's skills and I'm like, yeah, he's got a heavy left hand and his striking's pretty good. He's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu, but it's just the confidence and the all that whole all the extras that make that make someone like the O'Malley or a, or a Connor great. Speaking but Connor, of Connor retired. Well, all right, let's talk about that for a second because retired. You, you know one of the coolest things I, I almost never watch. Like post fight, I'm like the fight's over. I go to bed or I well, my wife. Whatever. Oh, you don't ever. You don't. I, I don't. I'm like I, I just I just spent six hours watching this. You know, like from <laughs> prelims, whatever. I gotta like get. I have a child, but I for some reason I couldn't sleep. I, I watched Dana White his like media scrum afterwards, and he was going off because he was like, "Look, this is the hardest thing I ever had to do. No sports out there except for us. We're I'm taking shots from everybody, and now all these guys are retiring." And he's like, "Fuck it." If you don't want to be with me, you don't want to roll with me later. We're going forward, and we're making people stars if they want to fight. And he's like, we're the only game in town right now. And I got to say, I kind of was like, fuck yeah. Like, I, I kind of got inspired by that a little bit. Not that I want fighters to not get paid. Granted, that's not good. I think fighters should deserve more pay. But right now might not be the best time to negotiate. Uh, right now. When there's nobody in the stands, literally – but no, you can't say that. And I, you know why I disagree? Because there's still going to be pay-per-view. And there's some people that just have that thing. I think Masvidal has it. I think Diaz has it. I think there's that. Uh, I think Conor McGregor has it. I think that they bring in so much money to that fucking UFC, they deserve a bigger chunk because they're putting their ass on the fucking line every single time. They do deserve a bigger chunk. You know who I think deserves a bigger chunk, though? The guy getting $12,000. Uh, because right. that guy is paying Ian, he's paying his lawyer, he's paying his camp, he's paying his insurance, or whatever the fuck he's paying, he's doing yeah. a job. Like, that guy, that's the guy that I kind of feel for. I mean, not that I don't feel for McGregor. I, I think that if he's getting 500000 he should get a million or two million or five million. He's bringing in that. But when I look at the guy who, who, who the one-on-one -one guy, who started, who's like, you know, who, he's getting $12,000, that's the guy that I'm like, I don't know. That's the guy that I sort of wish was getting the bump. Not well, they, that they, they do that. Like, like the high up guys, they're even getting percentages. Like a lot of people, you know, a lot of the big names get percentage of the, of the pay-per-view buy. And that's yeah. where you're getting, that's where you're getting like the GSPs were getting the millions and, and you've got uh, uh, Connor getting the millions. And I think that's, a, that's great. If you're a draw, you should get a piece of that draw, but you're absolutely right. Like if you think about an extra hundred grand would give the bottom, the undercard, it would give every every fighter on that undercard another ten thousand dollars, a hundred grand. Yeah, that's nothing for them. So an extra two hundred grand would get everybody an extra twenty grand. Like I mean, I just think they could easily up the bottom pay for these guys to like, you know, twenty five and twenty five, or 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 to twenty and twenty something, as opposed to twelve and twelve. It's like you know you you should and you should always go up a little bit when you win. Like they have it now, where it's like it's twelve and twelve, and if you lose. The next fight's still 12 and 12. <laughs> it's like, fuck, man. Yeah, that's the guy. I mean, not that I don't, I don't think McGregor – I mean, look, especially if you compare it to boxing, when you got guys like Andre Berto pulling in $5 million a fight or something, and you're just like, Andre Berto. Um, the, the, uh, the thing Andre Berto had a good run, though. He did. Okay, the thing I don't want in boxing is I don't want it to be like the best guys never fight each other. Right. Where you got to wait – like Mayweather – you know, versus Pacquiao happens like five years too late. At least now we're getting the best guys. But I do think there's something about being like, I don't know. I, I kind of like the way Dana phrased it. I hate, you know, it was just like, fuck it. You want to fight? We got fights for you. You don't want to fight? Don't fight. You want to no, retire? I, I see what you're saying, but, but with the big, no, with some fighters, yes. But with the big boys, and I call, uh, the, what I consider the big boys, and the people that are, are, are doing stuff where you, they're becoming highlight reels, on every fucking thing you look on UFC, they're highlight reels. Um, that flying knee from <laughs> was no, I bullshit you not. On the top ten knockouts, it's yeah. on every single one of them. Oh, it was unbelievable. It was, it was and, unbelievable. And not, not only did he plan the knee, he practiced the knee over and over again, and that's the first shit he did. He had his hands behind his back. Come on, man. It was unbelievable. And I thought Askren was gonna murk him. I thought, he, I thought he was going to wrestle him to death. I, yeah, he, here's, here, here's where, where the UFC, the entertainment industry as comedians, I, I, it's the same thing. This is where they all make the mistake. Everybody wants you to do, you as the performer, 
to do all the work. Yeah. And, and they act like, I mean, I've had so many conversations with agents and managers. I'm like, you know, if you gave Adam Hunter a Netflix special and you promoted it, he would be famous. And then everyone would be like, oh, Adam Hunter. And they would like, Shang, whoever you gave it to. I said, you don't have to wait for them to have a million followers to give them. And the same thing goes here. They can build all these fighters if they wanted to. They have the platform. And the thing is, they're not giving the people on Netflix, they're giving people like Jess Hilarious or someone, King Bach, who became famous for making 10 second videos. And all of a sudden their specials fucking eh, because people- Be real, it's garbage. So- because people, because they, because they didn't get it the other way. Now, we got the man, the myth, the legend, right here, Eric Albarician, who, he was a, a military veteran, silver medal, Pan Am champion in wrestling, uh, military champion. I mean, and now, this dude trains Henry Cejudo, he trains the Pitbull brothers, trains the Korean zombie, uh, trains the eraser. Uh, the eraser. Killing the game, man. Very underappreciated. How are and doesn't even wear a shirt. Where, first of all, where the hell are you right now? I'm actually at, on the beach in uh, uh, Pompano Beach. Actually, I went to high school here in Coral Springs, Florida. We came down for UFC 249, Jacksonville, obviously for Henry, and then um, now uh, I stayed down here because this is where I, I went to high school. My mom lives down here, and my sisters. Oh, so. Nice. And also there's a Pantoja, uh, Alexander Pantoja. He's one of my fighters from the Ultimate Fighter 24. He was on Team Cejudo. And uh, in my eyes, he's probably going to be the champion soon. So um, I'm always in contact with him and always pulling for him and things like that. Uh, speaking of Henry Cejudo, the fight against Dominic Cruz, did that go exactly how you thought it was going to go? Exactly how it was going to go. The plan was to chop off his legs, Deliver them to Carol Baskin here in Florida so she could feed them to the Tigers. Wow. Now, now Dominic thinks it was stopped too early. You think it was stopped too early? Well, I think uh, Keith Peterson, no-nonsense Peterson, was trying to prevent CTE, but I guess not. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now, Cejudo said he's, he's retired, but now he might not retire anymore. He's going to come out and fight either Ryan Garcia or Volkanowski? Listen, let me, let me sip on this for a second. Yes. He saved the flyweight division, did he not? Yes, he did. He came along, and now the 135-pound division is the hottest in the, uh, in the UFC. Right. And he's trying to help out the, one for the featherweight division. So, but he's why trying to help he... them out. He's trying to save another weight class. When has anybody talked about this weight class ever since until Henry Cejudo brought it up? Come on. So, so He's trying to save. But why, would save he, a hoe. why wouldn't he fight Aljamain Sterling? <laughs> Aljamain looked great in his last fight. Why wouldn't he fight Sterling? Um, well, at this time, he probably, you don't want to be uh, fighting somebody that, uh, that's got knocked out by the guy that he, he just knocked out. So Henry's last fight was uh, Marlon Marais. Marlon Marais had one of the most devastated knockouts of, uh, uh, in, that, in that division, probably in, in the UFC. Um, so I think that's – and the other thing is Henry wants – Henry's a conqueror. He wants legends. And if you're not a legend, he wants a belt. We're in the gold rush. Look behind me. Look at all that gold, baby. There you go. Try to ship a gold. I told you, twenty nineteen was going to be the gold rush. Twenty twenty is going to be even better. Okay, I want to ask a quick question. How the fuck do you? Because uh, the Korean zombie. How the fuck do you train this dude? He just looks like he's just seems like he's on. He, he, on, he just focused forward. He doesn't. I don't know how would your your kind of style. How do you train him? Oh, it's Korean zombie. Are you kidding me? Me and him are like this. Oh, uh, he just seems he, – no, he's a beast. I'm not saying he's not a beast. I'm yeah, just no, but Eric, Eric, it's a question. I mean, you train the Pitbull brothers. Do you speak Portuguese? Do you speak Korean? How do you how, – Yeah, I'll follow Portuguese. Uh, Korean. What language do you want me to speak? I'll do it. But 
to answer your question about Korean Zombie is, uh, you know, Korean Zombie, uh, he wants to win. I got the good energy. We're, we're on a roll. We're, this train is rolling. You want to hop on this train if you want to be a champ champ, if you want to be the GOAT. You know what I'm saying? Well, can I, can I say something? I want to get your take on this. Because I, I spent, a, this is a long time ago, back in the WEC days, I spent two weeks with, with Korean Zombie in Colorado training. And I was impressed at how quick he picked stuff up. Like, I, I think he actually finished with a Dars that Chad, who, who I was coaching, showed him that week. Like Against uh, just, Fourier. Just, yeah, and then, and then we were working triangles and darces, and his next two, two uh, wins were like triangles and darces. And then he went off, and I, and I saw him. Then he catches the twister, and they were like, oh, he was just working that last week. He picks stuff up so quick. Yeah, that's what's amazing about Korean Zombie is that exactly what you said. He picks stuff up real quick. When I first, I first started coaching him, uh, he was at Fight Ready um, in, in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Eddie Cha had brought him there. And, the, and I was training Henry, Patricio Pitbull, and the Eraser all in one camp. And, I, and the other camp on the other side was Korean Zombie. And then we started – I gave them my training partner for uh, Henry. He started training with Korean Zombie, which was Leandro Ego from Bellator. And then we started – and then obviously when he went with uh, Korean Zombie, they brought me asking, hey, what is he doing to Korean Zombie? And then we started working. Um, but I'm sure he had a – he was like, oh, I don't know, Eric's too uh, maybe out outlandish. But once, once I started showing him moves and, and getting to know him, and me and him connect real well. I mean, it's uh, if you want to win, if you want to be the GOAT, if you want, if you want world titles, what's not, to, what's not to like about that? So That's true. He's, uh, I mean, I do everything for these guys. Uh, I'm willing to sacrifice anything. We got the eraser right now. He's in. Uh, he's getting ready for Israel Adesanya, Paulo Costa, and it's a travel ban to get in to Brazil. So right now I'm trying to fly to another country and cross the border uh, via a forest, a jungle, whatever it takes, man. We're. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll go to the epicenter of the COVID nineteen. I don't give a <laughs> shit. That COVID nineteen is a hoax, just like Volkanovski's punching power. <laughs> <laughs> now, Eric, um, uh, by the, the eraser, Paulo Costa, there are some pictures where he looks like the Incredible Hulk. Other pictures, he looks like uh, uh, Precious. Um, how, how does this dude... <laughs> what's going on as far as this dude's body? Like, why is, on, why is it on Tuesday the guy looks shredded and and Wednesday he looks like Oprah. Like 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 what? Talk to me. Hey, when they, someone put up, he looks like the I forget the that postman from uh, Seinfeld. Yeah, and he looked exactly like him <laughs> at uh, UFC 248. Um, so he's a big boy, man. He is a big boy. He uh, he cuts. He arrives the week of the fight, 20 over, maybe 25. Um, that's something as a as a coach I have to like. Some coaches, you have to be able to. Each one of these champions are are all different. So, for Paulo, he's somebody I have to tame. I have to pull back. I have to uh, stop him from training. Minotaur and O'Gara was the same way. It's like, okay, it's been six hours. Training stops. Come on. So it's like he'll train to five in the morning if you let him. Um, and sometimes we can't stop him. So uh, I think. That's something that you know he gets big out of uh, yeah, out out of camp. But what happened was he had that surgery. Uh, he had he had really two surgeries on his bicep. The kid, he had bicep surgery, and guess what? The number the first exercise he gets back when he gets cleared to, to like lift minimal weight, he grabs like a hundred pound door dumbbell and tries to curl it. Of course. So really, he had he had two surgeries on the same injury, and. Uh, so he was out. He couldn't work out. He was eating. He's living in America at that time in L.A. So he's eating out. He's eating food full of GMOs. He's all the, all the carbs. Just eating out in general is not going to – you're going to gain weight. You know how it is when you're on the road all the time. Right, of course, of course. Now, my other question is, 
I know as a coach sometimes, even like a middle school wrestling coach, sometimes like I'll get a kid that transfers in and he does a lot of things really well, other things not so well, but I don't want to fuck what he's doing well. It's hard to screw, you know what I'm saying? Like he does things that I'm like, eh, you know, I don't want to screw, I don't want to rebuild the guy. A lot of coaches want to rebuild people, right? Um, for you as a coach, how is it like you're a wrestling coach, but you got a guy like Cejudo, who's a gold medalist wrestler. Or you got a guy like Korean Zombie. How do you know what to take back and what to work on and not make the kid worse? Um, it, I'll tell, to tell you the truth, it takes uh, an open mind. I always say that the illiterate of the 21st century is not someone who cannot read. It's someone who cannot, who cannot learn, unlearn, and then learn again. We need to relearn it as a, a person from a traditional sport, the original sport, wrestling. Every coach is, will coach the same way his coach has taught, taught him. And you can't bring that. There's, if I brought the wrestling attitude and the wrestling uh, tradition to MMA, I'd have no fighters. Uh, you cannot do that. Where you, the, the wrestling coaches want to make you tough. They want to they wanna weed, weed out the weak. Only the strong survive. And that's part of the reason uh, why we're successful, but it's also part of the reason why a lot of people aren't in wrestling. And I think we weed out some of our best athletes by getting rid of them early. When I was in the military, we had something called the All-Army Championships. And every year, a couple hundred soldiers, from even from Afghanistan and Iraq, some people that were deployed to Kuwait, some people that were deployed in Germany, just all over the world, they'd come to our wrestling, and, and, and the goal as a, as, as a captain um, of, of in the military, you know, they would tell you, hey, by the end of the week, by the end of this warm-up, I want 50 to drop out. So you make the 50, the hardest warm-ups you could possibly conceive, and 50 drop out, and they go back overseas. Um, that's how hard it is. And we, we just want, by the end of the month, I just want 10. And, and, that, and maybe there was, like, a super athlete in that group, but we got rid of him early yeah. before he could develop. So I think that's part of the problem with wrestling is that we get – we, we kind of like – what do we always say? At least I remember in high school I used to go to the track athletes. I used to go to the football players. I always wanted to get athletes on my team. And they're like, heck no, it's too hard. Right. And I was just like, man, so the hard the, – it's that tradition of always um, pushing your athlete to the brink of overtraining. Yeah. And that's what, you know, Joe Rogan said it, says it best. is like we are addicted to overtraining. Yeah. And that overtraining isn't the way to do it. Now you have to be smart. Yeah. I mean, Henry Cejudo, Patricio Pitbull, I taught, uh, we brought heart variability to them. Um, I mean, now the game has changed. And, and when I go from MMA and I go back to wrestling, I, I, I see it. I'm like, wow, these guys are like cavemen still. Yeah. Like, I, you know about cutting weight. I used to cut weight 30 times different. I yep. tried to cut weight in 100 <laughs> different ways. Now I cut weight, my fighters cut weight 30 times different because I tried 30 different ways myself. And now you're telling me you could lay in a tub? and put some Epsom salt bath in there, and you're going to lose 10 pounds. Uh, you know how hard it was to do that when, in, oh my in my God. day, to lose 10 pounds? You're throwing plastics on. You're bringing a, a aerodyne in the sauna, and you're going crazy. I used to sleep. So now it's about being open. smart. I used to sleep with the window open and shiver, try to shiver off weight at night, <laughs> fucking freezing cold. I'm, I'm not that, Well, I do do that. They do say you're, you're – uh, the, I tell all my fighters the day before weigh-ins, leave that con air condition on. So you, even if you, when you're sleeping, your body's working to burn calories to keep yourself warm. People love, I love that. People always think that um, you burn calories when you're sweating. No, you burn calories when you're cold and you're trying to heat your body up. That's exactly, a calorie is a unit of heat. And it's like sweating when it's cold, that's when you're really burning calories. Just, just sweating because you're sitting in a hot place. Otherwise, everybody in Arizona would be skinny. Um, it don't work that way. <laughs> you know the thing I like about, about these, uh, about, about, wrestling i'm it's good to hear you say this because i've had a lot of wrestling coaches i've got to train a lot of places that are wrestling based or the or the mma coach is a wrestler and they bring that mentality but they bring it with all the rest of mma and i'm like you can't go a hundred percent with elbows and punches and kicks sparring 
every day like you do in, like you do in wrestling. That's how I tore my ACL. My ACL, because the guy had me in a fucking leg lock, and I'm like, I'm not going to tap. I'll power yeah. out of this, and my fucking leg snapped. You, you, uh, can't, you can't train MMA like that. You just can't. You're going to end up with injuries and concussions and everything. Um, Eric, now, now, Eric, look, I'm a huge Cejudo fan. I, I, I know I fuck with him a lot, but I'm a huge fan of him. But I, I got to think that him fighting Ryan Garcia is a terrible idea. Uh, if it was MMA, he would obliterate Ryan Garcia. In boxing, come on, man. You know what? Everybody talks about Ryan Garcia's speed. And he's going to uh, he's gonna need it when Henry's chasing him around that ring. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, or the cage, or the cage. You know, he's, well, hold on. He said he's young enough. He's not Floyd, May well, Floyd Mayweather. He's not Floyd that's, uh, that's only willing to, to box. He's like, oh, what did he, he said about Conor McGregor? He said, oh, uh, Conor knocks people out, so why wouldn't he come to boxing? Well, you're a boxer, and he's knocking people out with his hands. Why wouldn't you come to MMA? You know, we may make make some modification rules. He's I mean, not. Let's be serious. He's not coming to MMA. You know, he's but not. But I'm saying Ryan Garcia said Ryan Garcia is young. He's not old like Floyd. He has time. He's not going to learn so arm bars. Hey, listen to my idea, Adam. You're 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 interrupting. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, you can coach him in wrestling. This is what I'm talking about. We'll have Adam Hunter coach him how to hunt in wrestling. Yep. And I'll teach Henry how to box. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Henry knows how to box. He's an amazing boxer. But, it's a, but when the guy's only doing boxing his entire life, and he's a prodigy, and he's undefeated, and he's ranked number three in the world, it's going to make Henry look bad. You, and you know that. And, and Henry's so good. What does he need to do that for? Is it the money? He, need, is that mean? he don't need the money, but it would well, be I would, to get the money. <laughs> Shango. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> but but check it out. Um, but Henry, like me, like a lot of wrestlers, or like a lot of minorities, uh, grew up watching boxing. There was no MMA. Yeah, I grew up watching boxing in WWF. So there was no MMA. Um, so Henry's always loved boxing. Matter of fact, when Henry won the Olympics, the plan was for him to go to into boxing win the Olympic boxing gold medal in 2012 and he did it for three years and then there's a point uh, there's a uh, there's a point system that you have to be able to qualify to be able to even compete at the olympic trials in boxing and he wasn't he was doing motivational speaking he was doing a lot of traveling at the time and he didn't get those required points and yeah. and he, he kind of pulled back from it and he came back into wrestling but he's always loved boxing so uh, uh, he's always wanted to be a boxer, even before MMA. And he, his, one of his idols is Oscar De La Hoya. Um, so the uh, El Nino de Oro, another golden boy. So, I mean, that's, this is not just him saying, oh, I want money. Like, it's, it's not about that. He, he, he's looking to conquer something that has never been conquered, and that is to go from triple C to C4. <laughs> yeah, I, man, I'm gonna tell you right now, you are on a roll. I, I, no, I'm serious, man. It's all this drink, I'm all this drinking, baby. You know saying? Goat milk, as you should. I'm saying you're on a roll, and you got you got some of the baddest motherfuckers out there. I mean, and so nobody can front on you on that. You got some of the baddest motherfuckers out there, and the fact you got Henry, who is a character to me, he's a character, but I love that shit. Yeah. And, and, and backs it up, that means something to me. Like, when you see somebody talk a lot of shit or act a certain way and they back it up every fucking time, you can't say nothing. And if you got him on that track, keep him on that track. So if he goes after boxing and beats this motherfucker, then it's you exactly what, what you just said. You know said. Henry, Eric? Uh, you know you, you, you said about that? Because I was like, you know what? I said Henry lost before. You're like, yeah, he lost. He lost everything. He started from zero. And to start from zero to come back to where he is is almost more impressive than a guy who's never yeah, lost. That's pretty amazing. You know? Um, now, yeah, well, that's what everybody asks. What changed? What changed with Henry? Because um, you will never see an Olympic. I, I've tried to get Olympic gold medalists. I've tried to get Olympic gold medalists to come into MMA. They won't do it. Nobody wants to climb to a top of a mountain 
and go slide all the way back down and start at zero. Nobody. And when they do, a lot of them encounter adversity early and then they start thinking, well, shit, wait a minute. Yeah. This is ruining my legacy. It's not worth it. I'm a winner. They can't handle it. I'm a winner. I'm an Olympic gold medal. I'm a legend. I'm, I just lost two in a row in MMA. And now I'm not a winner no more. They can't handle that. You will never see. We've done it. It's been done. Olympic gold medalists coming in MMA. First loss, they're out. They're awesome. They're awesome wrestlers. But back, even back then, it, it was, uh, there wasn't the support and the publicity that it has now. But Henry, Henry is spe- that's why Henry is special. Uh, he, he came over and started at zero. But what made him different is when he lost because he thought he was special until he lost. And when he lost, he got that chip on his shoulder. And when he got on that, when he got that chip on his shoulder, he didn't sleep for two years. He didn't sleep for two years against Demetrius John. He always had nightmares about, about him, about losing to DJ. So um, when he got that, uh, when he got DJ off his back, it was, uh, it you saw a new, uh, that that is when Triple C was born. So, so the loss is the loss is what actually helped him. The loss, the, it, the loss was the chip on his shoulder that was like, now it's time. That's when I came aboard. I was team coaching at Team Nogueira in Brazil. Uh, we had the, uh, one of the best teams down in Brazil. I mean, we had everybody: Minotaro, Big Nog, Little Nog, Anderson, uh, Junior Dos Santos. I didn't have Aldo. Um, but uh, they, all those guys were on Team Nogueira. That was my my first team. So I kind of learned. I was thrown to the wolves when I – well, I threw myself to the wolves. Yeah. Now, uh, is John Jones ducking Polo Costa? Um, you know what? Uh, I'm not sure. I, you know, Paulo Costa – when you talk about somebody that um, that can talk shit and back it up, Paulo Costa is going to be the new face of the UFC because this dude looks like a Greek. He looks like Ricky Martin, hits like Mike Tyson, and he he talks smack like Chael Sonnen, and 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 he backs it up, and he can back it up, and he doesn't wrestle. He not he uses he uses those. He's that guy is. Uh, the next, uh, he's going to be the biggest star in the, in the UFC. And I don't have to convince him to, to, uh, to, uh, to promote himself or, or to talk smack or to pick a fight. He does it on his own, which I love because, you, uh, Shango, you brought up Henry. Let me tell you, Henry took about – when did he win a uh, DJ? Uh, so it took him, it took him 10 years, 10 years to get for Henry to come out of his shell. I was, I mean, I remember one time in Brazil, I brought him to the Pitbull brothers. This is when he started knocking, uh, people out, um, is I brought him to the Pitbull brothers to train with, uh, Patricia Pitbull and his karate coach and Mano Santana. And after he beat Demetrius Johnson, he thought that, oh, now that I won, people are going to love me again. Because as an Olympic gold medalist, you put your rep on the line every time you fight. And, and, and he, in wrestling, you put your reps on the line every time you wrestle. But in wrestling, you're, you're fighting eight, eight to ten bouts a month. Right. So there's no time to promote a fight. And, that, so, and you might lose. It's so competitive. And then when Henry, uh, he, never, he never wanted to promote himself because you don't promote yourself in wrestling. And I would try and try to convince him. Try. We got in a big old fight in Brazil. I remember he was like, I think he wanted to fight me uh, <laughs> uh, over it. I'm serious. And, and then uh, what happened was huh. he's like, in his mind, he thought, I'm, I'm going to beat Demetrius Johnson. He had already lost his belt. He never touched it. But then when he beat Demetrius, lost to Demetrius Johnson, even more crap was talked about him. Like the wrestler went down in one minute, two minutes, whatever. So he thought, well, when I beat Demetrius Johnson, everybody's going to love me. He beats Demetrius Johnson, and nobody 
he loved him, and he's so used to being loved yeah. in the wrestling community because yeah. he was a hero. In the, he is a hero in the wrestling community. Yeah. And no, you, he's not going to go to a wrestling seminar and have haters yelling at him. They bow down to him. They bend the knee. He was the only Olympic gold medalist in 2008. He saved the, the country by getting uh, that medal because nobody had a medal in wrestling except him. But so you know he's what, used to being loved. You know go what, ahead. though? I was going to tell you, him beating Mighty Mouse was fucking huge. It was, it was huge. Like, okay. even when you saw a different press afterwards, they're like, oh, shit. Because people thought Mighty Mouse couldn't be beat for a while there. Would you agree, Adam? Like, for a oh, minute. yeah, dude, it was crazy. Like, he was like, so for him to beat him, I was like, oh, shit, Henry is in the mix. Like, it was one way, of those so, We got a special guest to close the show, because I know you got to leave in, like, five minutes, uh, Shang. Yeah, um, no, I got Shango, don't you dare go, Shango. Come we, got, on. We, got, we have the McCorkle Comedy Hour. Uh, Sean McCorkle. Sean? I got to do it for an hour now? Okay, it's, it's the McCorkle Minute, where every... <laughs> where, <laughs> the McCorkle. <laughs> McCorkle. Cool. Hey, Sean, you better come out with something good. All right. Uh, okay. I'll, get, I'll on get one here. Okay, Don't so. Don't be coming no, on the Adam Hunter show. I'm a, I'm okay. a hey, you guys, first off, uh, yo, man, I'm going to tell you, keep staying on that fucking streak and that mentality. That's the shit, man. Good luck with everything. And I hope he does go into boxing. I'd love to watch that shit. You guys be safe. I'm out of here. Thank you, Shane. All right, Thanks, Shane. Go. Thank you. All right, Sean, take it away. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, first off, I want to start with a little bit of a funny story. I thought it was funny anyway. Um, so I'm, I bought a new, I bought an Escalade because I'm rich. I'm the only person in the world without a job that gets an Escalade, I think. But uh, I just bought an Escalade, and I was uh, driving through. Um, this really happened. I go to go to a car wash. Like I pull over. There's a cop behind me following me the whole way. So I go to pull in a car wash. I roll down my window to pay for it. I swear to God, out of nowhere, on the song, on the, like, uh, Escalade's radio, the song Riding Dirty comes on. Like, just out of nowhere, like, Riding Dirty comes on. And the guy starts laughing, like, in the car wash, he thought I was, like, doing it to be funny, like, had it set up. But I didn't. I didn't even have the radio. It just popped on. And the song, yeah. the Riding Dirty, came on. And I thought it was ironic that here I am with a cop behind me uh, pulled over to car wash with a uh, vehicle full of drugs. So, anyway, uh, it was, like, ironic on several levels. Um, but um, the uh, that really happened. It was weird. So, except for the drug part, um, kind of. No, so... I uh, this whole thing, man, has really been uh, driving me crazy. This um, COVID thing, you know, whole coronavirus thing. I'm glad we're opening things back up. You know, like everything's kind of getting going again, and uh, USC's up and rolling again to a degree. You know, and uh, I saw that Brendan Shop um, did a, a comedy show uh, in Denver with his friend Brian Callen, um, who I love. I love Callen, but uh, they were requiring like extreme, like they were being kind of like the UFC and every other you know event. They're being like extreme health conscious you know they got to be on top of everything uh to make sure people are healthy and so they went so far as at that comedy show they even did brain scans like mris to make sure that no one had cte or anything like that you know the good news was turns out shop has no cte no brain damage whatsoever uh the bad news was everyone in attendance did <laughs> so they were all uh, declared uh with brain damage um the, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is gonna be a long hour. So, um, the, uh, oh, speaking of, you know, the UFC up and running again. Um, I was looking at. Uh, <laughs> keep looking at this joke. I don't want to do. I'll do this one instead. Um, do it, baby. Uh, <laughs> so bad. So um, with this uh, fight island thing, they're uh, you know um, rolling out. I uh, they just announced where it's at today and. It's not an island per se. It's actually just got like a little moat around it, but over there in Abu Dhabi. So uh, your buddy, um, Henry Cejudo, I saw, you know, he recently retired. Even though he's talking about coming back again, but uh, I got the inside scoop uh, from Ariel Hawani this morning. Uh, Henry Fuck still Ariel working for <laughs> <laughs> That sounded racist, but. Go on. Um, I, uh, I got an Ariel story for you too. But no, so um, Ariel was, uh, you know, giving the inside scoop. He said that, uh, Henry is still technically working for the UFC since he's under contract. He's going to officially be at Fight Island um, when the events uh, happen there, sitting in a tower yelling out, boss, the plane, the plane. Every time, uh, <laughs> the fighters show up. <laughs> so, I didn't know his Fantasy best friend and trainer was going to be. <laughs> yes. My girlfriend said no one would get that because she didn't get it. But, uh, Go on. Um, okay. 
This is, is this live? No, no, it's not live. Go on. Okay, so you can edit this out if it's too. I'm going to leave it up to your judgment. Um, okay. Actually, uh, on a second note, on Eric Hawani, I saw the other day he was crying uh, on his Twitter saying if he'd have known how many people followed him who were racist and hateful, he would have, you know, deleted him a long time ago. And I told him, Ariel, I, I would like to think, like, uh, I'm an optimist. I'd like to think without all this, you know, social unrest and coronavirus that millions of people would hate him anyway. Like, I, I don't think it's, <laughs> you know, these sexual circumstances, uh, you know, call me the glass is half full kind of guy, but I'd like to think that people would hate him regardless. Adam, but, don't you dare edit that part out. Nothing's going to edit well, out. Well, edit out that, that part. This is the part that I'm worried about. Um, okay. You know, especially with the current climate. But ever since I met John Jones, I met him one time at, I think, UFC 134 or something. Uh, I got to talk to him for a few minutes. He always reminded me of somebody, and I couldn't really figure out who it was. I, like, I was – he just reminded me of someone I knew, like, in a former life or something. And so my son had a birthday party the other day, and we were all hanging out, um, you know, my family. And I um, finally realized who it reminds me of. I was like, you know what? John Jones reminds me of my uncle, my Uncle Tom. Uh. Okay, so maybe that was too far. I don't know. <laughs> that was, that one, I don't know. know. Yeah. <laughs> that one, that yeah. one, that one, just don't edit the one about Eric Hawaii. That's my, that's, nothing, my, that's my piece, Adam. Nothing's getting edited. Maybe, maybe on the other one. Thomas. All right, go on, go on. Any, anything else? Um, uh, no, that was, that, that was it. Um, I had another shop <laughs> one, but I can't remember off the top of my head. So. John, I was, uh, Brandon got mad at me because I said that the looters are coming into Best Buy to return his uh, DVD. Yeah. <laughs> Which no one believed that anyway because no one bought it. So. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, you know. It, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned about the CTE because I didn't have CTE until after I saw Brandon Schaub's show. Of course. Right. That's right. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, Eric. It was great seeing you, man. Keep up the great work. Huge fan of yours, man. You're doing you're doing God's work out there, man. Great work. Uh, McCorkle, thanks for providing laughter to everybody right now. Uh, I'm not doing great work, but no, you, you are doing great work. Ian, you're the man. Uh, thanks for having me again. Be helpful, guys. Yeah, I just want to say thank you uh, for all the great material. Anytime. I'm gonna keep doing more. I'm gonna keep sending you more. Uh, thank you, Eric. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Ian. Guys, have a great week. All right, man. See you guys.